Welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast presented by East Brentwood Presbyterian Church. We are in the season of Lent, and Lent can sometimes get a negative reputation. It's viewed as the season in our faith when we give things up, when we prepare for the worst. However, here at EBPC, we cannot help but imagine that God wants more for us than just six weeks of discipline or six weeks without chocolate. Perhaps God wants a life for us so expansive that faith, joy, and hope flow over the edges. So join us as we explore a faith that is full to the brim this Lent. Well, Nate, it's that time again. Time to gather around the the old microphone, and to build out the weekly podcast. Yeah, what'd you have in mind? Well, as you know, we're underway with Lent, that 40-day journey towards Easter. It began with the Ash Wednesday, and last week it was so nice to do that special episode, which I hope listeners found meaningful. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what Ash Wednesday meant to me, and then there's that story about Jesus being out in the wilderness, and I think it is an important story for us, especially now. This image of wilderness is powerful. You know, I don't, Nate, I don't know about you, but it feels like we're in the wilderness. I mean, we were all excited about the COVID numbers going down. We had made it through February. Uh, we were turning towards spring. And then there's the invasion of Ukraine by Putin's Russia. And we are seeing firsthand the misery being inflicted upon citizens, but, but also the defiance uh, that they are showing. And I thought we would bring into the uh, studio some of what was shared on Sunday, um, uh, you know, people are starting to come back, and uh, a lot of people, I think, needed to come back into the sacred space on Sunday, and they were bringing with them some of this heaviness and feeling like they needed to be in a community. I think we saw that when people brought sunflowers up to the front of the church. Yeah, it was really nice. We put out the call for sunflowers, but it was really a spontaneous thing. We Last minute, we passed them all out, and people brought them forward, and I decided to start playing a little bit. Actually, quickly grabbed my phone and Googled the Ukrainian National Anthem and played a little bit of that along with some other music as we went. And um, it was a really moving experience to see that happen and play out spontaneously on Sunday. Oh, I didn't know that you had played that. Um, That nice kind of coloring that you brought up underneath and that sort of very visual moment of what I was witnessing as I was standing up front. And it became this moment of hope and defiance. And I was thinking of that sunflower lady who had approached a Russian soldier and had dressed him down uh, in colorful language for invading her country and then putting sunflower seeds in his pocket so that when he dies, she said, sunflowers, the national flower of Ukraine will grow. Well, moving on, Nate, what, as we look to this week's episode, what do you want to bring into the podcast? Yeah, with our theme full to the brim, I thought I would bring in shallow from A Star is Born, just talking about how we can live life full to the brim as we go through this Lenten season. Some of those lyrics include, In all the good times I'm longing for change, and in the bad times I fear myself. Are you happy in this modern world, or do you need something more? Is there something else you're searching for? I think a lot of people coming out of the pandemic are searching for something new, searching for a new purpose. And that's what we're looking to explore as we go through Lent, um, looking at uh, full-to-the-brim life. You know, it's always interesting in the whole question about whether or not to bring a secular song into the sacred space of worship um, and a, a love song at that. But it really, watching that um, 
unfold and listening to it unfold. Uh, the singer did it beautifully, and uh, it really seemed to fit the theme. So thanks for bringing that in. Um, well, let's get underway. And uh, Nate, why don't you offer the prayer and then uh, and then chase it with some music, and then I'll come back for the reflection. God of the wilderness places in our lives. It can be hard to hear you in the desert. It can be hard to hear you in the city, in the midst of our calendar reminders, rush hour traffic, and notification alerts. It can be hard to hear you, so we ask, make everything quiet, pause the chaos, still the rushing, ease our racing thoughts, give us ears to hear your word for us today, which promises that even in the desert, you are full to the brim. We are listening. We ache for your good news. Gratefully we pray. Amen. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you Keeping it so hardcore I'm falling In all the good times I find myself longing For change And in the bad times I fear myself So last week began Lent, the 40-day journey towards the cross and the empty tomb of Easter. And to get there, the trip log takes us into the desert, the wilderness. And there is a story in Scripture where Jesus goes into the wilderness where he is tempted. And I think it's an important one, as I said uh, earlier. 
Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, and I hope you had an opportunity to listen to last week's episode. Um, Ash Wednesday took me to a street corner for our annual drive-through ashes that we do, where foreheads can be smudged uh, with ashen crosses, recar- recalling our mortality, and, and, and the words are said, you are dust, and the dust you shall return. You know, it's interesting um, to stand on the street corner trying to get people's attention by uh, looking like a holy fool as they drive by. You know, what's that guy doing out there? Is that a clergy collar? Is this guy a homeless guy? What is he doing? Selling copies of The Contributor? What is he doing? And watching people drive by, this much is clear. We, we have returned to the harried, hurried times with clenched jaws and trying to get from A to B. Uh, whether it's to school in the morning and running late or back into in-person work in the office. And that morning, Ash Wednesday, Brentwood felt a little bit like being in a wilderness. And if you are listening to this while you drive, why don't you look around at people's faces and see what expressions you see. I think we're all feeling a little like we're in the wilderness. And as I stood out on the street corner, I thought as I watched people drive by, how do I, and how are we as a people of faith, to share the good news to a people who have endured what feels like a time of little promise? I must admit, I've struggled lately, especially this past week, to make sense of what's going on. I've struggled to stay hopeful uh, with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And at times, as I've watched the news, I've been deeply moved and inspired. And at other times, I have felt deeply sad and heartbroken, and I don't know with any certainty what will unfold next. So Jesus is out in the wilderness, is where the scriptures have us go this week. And I think he has something important to offer us if we let it speak to the reality of this moment, especially to those who may be teetering at the outer edge of hope and who are seeking wisdom in order to gain another perspective on that which frightens and disturbs. He goes out into the wilderness, this text says, full of the spirit and faces the tempter and said, no, no to empire, no to false worship. No to selfishness. So here's a portion of the story as found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. And if you want to read the story, it's verses 1 through 13. I will read just a portion. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. And then the devil takes him up and shows him in an instant all of the kingdoms of of, of the world. And then the devil takes him to Jerusalem after Jesus has said no and places him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from there. But Jesus says no. Quotes scripture, saying, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the story concludes, when the devil had finished every test, 
he departed from him until an opportune time. One of the challenges of knowing these stories so well, of understanding the biblical unit of time that is encapsulated in, did you hear in the text, 40 days, is that we know the ending. We know how the story comes out. And we know that after 40 days, when the story of Noah and that kind of uh, mythical story, that flood rains will stop. And we know when we go back and look at the Hebrew scriptures of the Israelites in the wilderness, after 40 years, God's chosen people will make their way out of the desert and into the promised land. After 40 days, we know how the story ends. Jesus is to find his way to Jerusalem and to the cross and then to the tomb, which will be emptied. We know that Jesus will leave the God-forsaken desert. But did you notice that when the story ends where Jesus is, he is still in the wilderness, still in the desert. And the text does not say God came to Jesus' aid while he was there and took him out of the situation. And how we want God to pick us up and get us out of a situation with certainty and remove us from whatever trial we are facing. Bill Gottler reminds us that knowing good will follow, knowing that good will follow bad, we find it convenient to forget that within times of abandonment and fear, there is no certainty about when the hardships will end. And so for 40 days then, it is easy if we don't know how the end will come. It is easy to imagine Jesus is alone, cold at night, and thirsty at daybreak. And over the 40 days, as any human being would be, growing weaker and more vulnerable. And for us, we might ask, well, what do such desert times mean of the times that we are living in, we might ask? We tend to think of the wilderness as a place or a situation where God is absent, but not so. The desert is a place where we cast aside the temptations of this world, and there's the possibility before us of that promise that abundant love will have the final say. And the desert may very well be the place where the Spirit of God can be found. And even in the midst of struggle, oppressive forces, hardship, and grief, God's promises can spill over, like the bounty of first fruits from the ground. But to return to this question, as I stood outside on that street, as cars drove by on Ash Wednesday and looked into their faces, how can we experience God's blessings in what seems like a time of little promise? After all, the unavoidable reality facing people, including people of faith, is that so many of the things that seemed most secure in our lives are not so certain after all. And one of the things that may not feel certain for you is your faith. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while, but especially this week, what with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and then there's the, it was buried in the news of the events of this week, but the global climate report out this week uh, um, tells us that things are accelerating. Um, it's very much on the minds of our young people, argue as we might with the science of our climate. This very earth is facing a time of dramatic change. And then there are always the ever-present health concerns, especially as we grow older. So how do we hold on to faith when so many of the signs of the time challenge us to be faithless and afraid? How did Jesus do it? 
I like the writing of Jason McKelly. Um, you can follow him. I think he has a podcast and certainly a blog named Tamed Cynic. Props to, to, to Jason. And uh, he writes that the evangelists tell the story with such Hollywood haste in this story of the temptation that they effectively turn Jesus of Nazareth into a spiritual prodigy, deluding Jesus into someone less than fully human. It makes Jesus not as human as you or me. You know, there's always this tension about, you know, is uh, the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. And uh, and early here in Luke, uh, you know, he's trying to think, Luke is trying to show that in the incarnation of God becoming present in human life through Jesus, Jesus' humanity is emphasized, the incarnation. And if Jesus is at least as human as you or me, then in the wilderness situation, his humanity is shot through with the very uncertainty that so often is the case with our own lives. And that means that faith isn't like a rock or a firm foundation. Faith is not always certain it means faith is as ever-changing as so many things are in our lives. It bears repeating. Faith is as ever-changing as so many things are in our lives. Faith entails change because it's faith that unfolds in the world, McKelly says, God has given us. Faith requires change even for faith depends on the always changing life in which it is lived. In the same way that love and marriage and children and a career can change you and thus your faith. So do pain and dread and fear and despair and temptation can change you and thus your faith. What was it that the poet Christian Willman wrote reflecting on the severity of his cancer, which he faced as a young man? Faith is strongest where the possibility of doubt is greatest. I suspect Jesus could relate to that and exemplified that when he was out in the wilderness. How did Jesus do it? And what can we learn from this? How did Jesus remain faithful in the wilderness that he faced? What can we learn so we can be faithful in the wilderness that we face? And looking at the text, it seems, you know, so many lessons emerge from this and could go in so many different directions, but three quick ones. There seems to be a lack of selfishness and self-pity. There's also an emphasis upon sacrifice. And then there is an emphasis, if you notice, upon prayer and meditation on the word Three things to speak plainly that all of us, whether we're people of faith or we're seekers or we're spiritual but not religious, could take to heart. Lack of selfishness and self-pity, sacrifice and prayer and meditation on the Word. First, about um, selfishness, lack of, and self-pity. You know, self-pity. If you're not careful, you can be prone to self-pity. And what self-pity is, is discouragement. And it's discouragement on steroids. And it tells you that this is the way it's always going to be. Because when you live in a state of self-pity, it means you... um, you're no longer part of the game. You take yourself out of the game because you've, um, you're like, this is the way it's going to be. You have an admitted defeat. It's an incredibly effective strategy and completely counter to the gospel. Why? Because the final thing self-pity does, it robs us of all joy. And Jesus said, did he not? I have come that your joy may be full and complete.
Gospel of John. I became aware of this when I was out on the street corner um, on Ash Wednesday with good intentions as the, the holy fool to do smudges on people's foreheads as they can turn off and um, hear these words and hear a podcast on their way to where they were going from point A to point B. Um, and none of the cars, just except for one or two, stop by. This is 43,000 cars pass by daily at our intersection. It's easy to get discouraged. And here's what I noticed happening within me, this holy fool, as I stood out there, how easily I became discouraged, even resentful that no one stopped. Here I was being a holy fool for God, and there was no uptake on it, no uptake on it. And you might say temptations arose um, for me to start casting dispersions at all the people who were too busy to stop. Either, And I would look at license plates and slogans that they had on their cars. I would look at the stone face or the quizzical looks that they have, and it might say it was easy for temptations to arise until I started to do something different with my hand. Not what you're thinking I might do. What I did is I started to go from a wave where I would do a good morning wave to people, and I then proceeded to do a quick little flick of the cross with my forehand finger, my forefinger. And I made the sign of a blessing while I mouthed the words to strangers, God bless you. Still no one stopped, but more smiles and waves from them. And what I noticed was how I changed. And in that change, it made possible compassion on my part and empathy bubbled up within me. So listener, if you're driving around listening to this, as you come up upon a stoplight and see others, why don't you try taking your forefinger and do a a, a flick of the finger and the sign of the cross in their direction and mouth these words, God Bless you. And see how that might take you out of any discouragement or self-pity you have. So now moving on about sacrifice. Jesus showing us that as a model. As Jesus remained focused on his purpose. And we're going to see through the story of Lent, his stories of sacrifice. And we move into Holy Week. But I also am reminded of other people's sacrifice this week and how it has lifted us up. Uh, the reminder of the importance of sacrifice and what we are witnessing in, in Ukraine. And I think those of us who've been trying to make it through day in, day out, owe Ukrainians a great debt of gratitude for their courage has reminded us, their sacrifice has reminded us of the nobility of sacrifice for just causes. And what Ukrainians have done is inspire us and others to shake ourselves out of the torpor and and in the hopes that we might one day prove worthy of becoming their ally. Great stories abound of that. We are reminded of the fragility of our lives as we watch over 1.5 million people on the move. We are better acquainted with uncertainty than we have been in any other time in recent memory. We aren't sure that we know what lies ahead. 
And perhaps this long time of pandemic and disunity is leading us, though, toward a different perspective about God as we may feel that we're out in the wilderness. A God who offers us no certainty about good news in the ways of human society, but of a God who promises to be with us. And in this season, what we might offer to the world and for ourselves is what Jesus modeled in that story of the wilderness, is that Jesus spent time in prayer and he had meditated on the word of God and it was the word of God that was the response to silence the tempter. Jesus shows us in the wilderness is the importance of prayer and study of God's word. So I invite you to have a go with that to have a go at prayer and to put your, uh, your, your, yourself into the study of God's word as we are out in the wilderness. And as we bring this to a close, let us put into action as we pray a prayer for Ukraine. Here's the prayer. It's a prayer by Terry McDowell Hunt. God of grace, have mercy. We've heard that the arc of the universe bends towards justice, but we watch the nightly news in horror and doom scroll through the reports of bombs falling on innocent Ukrainians, mothers, children, elderlies, babies, and newborn intensive care, hunkered down in fear and danger in basements, subway tunnels, our hearts beat for Ukraine. We go about our day's work, but return to our screens over and over to bear witness to the injustice to face the harsh reality that we live in a world of evil and ego, of power-hungry men and the threat they pose. So God, with us, in our wilderness, strengthen your peacemakers for this time. Encourage the Ukrainians in their resistance. Turn all hearts from destruction, domination, and violence. O oh God, answer our prayers and fulfill our hopes. Give us the will to work for peace and for justice, for compassion, and to be a balm in Gilead for your fractured world, for the sake of of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC Videos. (music) 